0: I think the best thing we can do is just focus on what we can do is actively engage citizens and what can we do in our own community, regardless of the way this election turns out at multiple levels, we can still have a voice and connect with our local leaders, advocate for causes that we're passionate about and get plugged in.
1: You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. So I want to welcome everyone to this special Election Eve edition of the Mental Health Download. We're going to be giving you a quick rundown of the two state questions that you need to be aware of. And those are state question 805 and state question 814. And we're also going to be talking about how you can deal with the jitters and anxiety of this election week. Okay, the Mental Health Download starts now. All right, so before we get into our quick rundown of these state questions, I want to talk to Mark Davis, Chief Programs Officer for Mental Health Association, Oklahoma, about his advice on how to deal with the anxiety of this week. Mark, take it away.
2: One, I always like to remind people to really focus on the things that you have control over and things you can't really manage focusing on what you can kind of alter and what you can manipulate in your life is really, really important. I think sometimes it's more anxiety provoking, it's more stress creating when we as humans really try to control things that we have no impact on. So that's number one. And then number two, I think it's important for people to really engage in some stress management practices and habits that could be adjusting your diet. It could be working out, taking walks, Spending time with the family, some focused kind of meditation can be very helpful. And also just connecting with your, your close friends and family. I know during this time that is quite limiting, but you can still reach out to people via you know Zoom, phone calls, letters, or even social distancing within your community is, would, would be recommended by me. In 2020, again, with the social injustices that we've seen, the racial kind of targeting, the inequalities that we've seen, the pandemic, the election, it is a a tremendous culmination of a lot of situations that's taken place. You know, these are very unique and trying and challenging times for us all. We have to stick together. We have to have unity in our community, regardless of our political positions, uh, our religious beliefs. If we really stay true to the core of uh, appreciating and valuing uh, one another as human beings. Uh, We can get through this with the election or not. Having a a licensed clinician, a psychologist, someone that you can really have a a very open and deep probing conversation about your emotional unrest or some things that may be unsettling within that you're dealing with, to speak to a therapist is very highly recommended. There, There should be... No stigma. We have to understand that it's okay to not feel okay. Like everyone needs somebody. We all need to talk to somebody. And some of us are in relationships where we can do that. Some of us feel like we need an outside party, i.e., a therapist, a clinician, a licensed clinician. And my personal opinion is that we're social creatures by nature, you know, so to have someone you can you know, use as a sounding board, you can confide in, uh, you can grapple with some challenging political issues or religious issues or just a different opinion about whatever it is, to have someone you can actually have a conversation with and some, you know, humble, polite and respectful bantering back and forth is completely acceptable. So I I do highly recommend that because it can be tremendously effective.
1: All right Mark, thank you so much for that wonderful advice. And if you are experiencing anxiety or just need someone to talk to about your mental health, please do not hesitate to dial 211. That is a free and confidential link to help and hope for those in need, whatever the need, 24/7. You can get connected to the right community services near you, including crisis support, and you can reach out in four ways. You can call, use live chat, text, or search online. And you can also reach out to Mental Health Association, Oklahoma, our free mental health assistance center in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Email us at info at MHAOK.org or call us at 918-585-1213 or 405-943-3700. All right. Thanks again to Mark. Now we're going to transition to talking with Jacob Beaumont and Whitney Cipolla, who are our advocacy experts. All right. So we're going to start by having Jacob explain state question 805. Jacob, take it away.
3: Yeah. So in, in case you've missed everything we've talked about, released, posted about on State Question 805, the, the too-long-didn't-read of, of, of SQ805 is that it's going to amend the Oklahoma Constitution to put an end to the use of sentence enhancements for people convicted of nonviolent crimes. And why this matters is often prosecutors use sentence enhancements to use past convictions against people to stack even steeper sentences, often decades, uh, on top of them for, for things as, as minor. As you know, I think the go-to example for the state Question Eight Hundred Five campaign is stealing a lawnmower, where a gentleman had twenty years tacked onto sentences for uh, for a sentence for something as minor as that. These are often, especially in the behavioral health space, what we associate as being crimes of survival. These are people who are you know committing larceny because they need to steal food or clothing or formula or these these you know malicious crimes. These are crimes meant being committed so people can uh, survive day to day. And so, state Question Eight Hundred Five is is going to do a lot to resolve. All that to make sure that while prosecutors can still hold people who commit crimes accountable for those crimes, that they can't unfairly stack sentences on top of them for, for past convictions, the benefit to this, besides it just being a more a way to make the justice system more humane, is that it's also going to save the state of Oklahoma a lot of money. I think the 10-year it was upwards of $200 million that it would save the state over the course of a decade, just because we're going to be incarcerating fewer people for less time. And, and so state question 805 just Makes sense economically. Um, it makes sense socially. It's it's just something that we we firmly believe at the Mental Health Association is something that's going to help Oklahomans across the board. And actually, like the, the, the biggest misconception, and this is the one that's probably the easiest to clear up, is that this somehow makes it harder for prosecutors and judges to hold people who commit crimes accountable. And that's not the case. You know, the all of the research shows that long sentences don't deter people from committing crimes, and especially these crimes that we're looking at, which are nonviolent, these are crimes that are generally committed in light of some kind of systemic need that isn't being addressed. You know, you're not going to deter somebody with a long sentence from stealing food that they need or stealing clothing that they need. You know, and so the, this state question 805 also doesn't, you know, prevent prosecutors and judges from seeking the maximum sentences for individuals who commit nonviolent crimes. And it doesn't take accountability away from it. What it does is it makes it so that you're not being held. Even more accountable for past because you made a mistake five, six, seven years ago, and you made a mistake now. You're not also paying the price again for that past mistake. And so there's nothing here that ties the hands of the courts. There's nothing here that ties the hands of prosecutors or law enforcement in in, in seeking out the maximum amount of accountability for these crimes. I think that's the largest misconception. You know what this does? We talk about justice. We talk about fairness. This brings fairness back into the justice system. This this brings that accountability back in there, you know, by making sure that we're not just needlessly piling on people for for no other reason than we don't like the nature of the crime they committed.
1: All right, Jacob, thank you for that explanation. We really appreciate it. And now we'll switch to state question eight fourteen, which Mental Health Association Oklahoma neither opposes or supports or uh, neutral. And so Whitney is going to explain eight fourteen for us. Whitney, take it away.
0: Yeah, so state question 814 really is centered around the TSET fund. So TSET stands for the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust, which is where money comes from annually from a 1998 lawsuit that Oklahoma and 45 other states were a part of in 1998. So basically, the big tobacco companies are, were required to pay out settlements to states because of the increased healthcare costs that stemmed from tobacco use. So right now, 75% of those annual payouts go to TSET, and that goes into an endowment, and then TSET uses the payouts or are off the endowment, or not the payouts, the, they use the interest that comes off the endowment to put towards programming for smoking cessation, cancer research, other healthcare initiatives, And what State Question 814 wants to do is flip. So State Question 814 would send 75% of these payouts to the state legislature, which currently only received 25%, and then have the 25% go to TSET. So I'm kinda gonna go over both sides of the argument. The reason they want to do this switch and why it's proposed is to help pay for Medicaid. So the 75% if it were to be diverted to the legislature, it would have to go towards Medicaid, but not necessarily Medicaid expansion, which makes people a little bit hesitant also it's only around 50 million dollars per year and costs for medicaid expansion are estimated to be from anywhere from 120 million to over 300 million so this is not the be-all end-all solution it's really just it would be a portion of a patchwork solution to fully fund medicaid's expansion for the endowment people are saying though the t set endowment already has a billion dollars and so it's not going to have huge impacts if this funding mechanism is flipped because that endowment is already so large but there's also a lot of people who are opponents of state question 814 there are other ways to fund medicaid expansion and they believe that it's not right to take healthcare, funds that are going into healthcare through TSET to divest that and put it towards Medicaid when we really need all of the dollars towards healthcare as we can so that there are other ways and mechanisms to fund Medicaid expansion, like reducing ineffective tax reductions and incentives, increasing shop fees for hospitals, or retaining fees on insurance plans. So the language on the ballot is a little bit ambiguous and it doesn't ensure that that TSET money, if the funding mechanism were switched to be 75% to the legislature, 25% to TSET, it doesn't fully protect that money to go towards Medicaid expansion. It could just be to general Medicaid, and then Oklahoma, the Oklahoma legislature would still be on the hook for finding those dollars for how to fund Medicaid expansion.
1: So to close out our special election Eve podcast, I'm going to ask Jacob and Whitney to close us out with their final thoughts.
3: Yeah. Well, so first of all, if you have the ability to to drop off an absentee ballot early in person, I know I did mine Friday over the lunch hour, so you avoid that. That's absolutely ideal. If you can't, make sure that you have all the documentation you need to cast your vote so you can get as in and out as quickly as you possibly can on election day. We are anticipating lines, so do what you need to do to be in the right headspace to stand in line on election day if it does come to in-person voting. In terms of election night itself and into the rest of the week, Odds are that that race at the top of the ticket, we aren't going to know the firm results of on election night. So brace yourself for that. Just know that it's going to be a lot of things decided down ballot and then potentially some question marks heading into the end of that night. So that all said, know that there's no right way or wrong way to spend election night. Whatever feels best to you is the best way to spend it period don't let people peer pressure you into consuming more or less information than you want to consume that said my my biggest piece of advice is if you are going to follow election night if you are going to follow results pick one news source. If you're like me on a daily basis, you've got 50 tabs open, you've got a podcast or something in your ears, trying to consume as much information from as many uh, avenues as possible. Don't do that. You know, if if you're, I might be looking at the Oklahoman and the Tulsa world to take in my election results just to get a sense of how things are going, you know, but otherwise, I'm going to be setting really clear boundaries and that includes on social media. So you're not going to see me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or or Reddit. There's going to be no doom scrolling on election, night for me. I'm going to have very clear boundaries with social media. I know best laid plans. So we'll see if it actually works out. But the idea is to set really clear boundaries for yourself because it'd be really easy to, to be just endlessly scrolling through Twitter and just consuming all the really feedback that's only going to make you feel worse. And so by having that kind of clear boundary and that news source that you've picked, you're going to put yourself in a position you know, where you're not going to you know, be getting a lot of hyperbole that the internet, the social media, that multiple news outlets can generate it at once. You'll be in a pretty consistent message throughout the night, knowing that you're going to have all day Wednesday and the rest of the week to consume all of that information piecemeal instead of trying to absorb it all at once, which is only going to make your anxiety worse. I think that is probably, you know, the best piece of advice I can is set really clear boundaries between social media and the news source you're following that night.
1: All right, Whitney, close us out with your final bit of wisdom.
0: So my best advice for election day and night jitters and what will probably be beyond because like Jacob said, we might not know the results for all things on election night, is have a core group of folks you can depend on, preferably people who are already within your circle. Please do not expose yourself to the chance of transmission of COVID. I know I'm going to be watching news coverage with my parents who I've already been having regular contact with so that they are there for support. And I think the best thing we can do is just focus on what we can do is actively engage citizens. And what can we do in our own community, regardless of the way this election turns out at multiple levels, we can still have a voice and connect with our local leaders, advocate for causes that we're passionate about and get plugged in. And I really encourage people to take a step back from all of the federal rhetoric While federal elections are important, these local, municipal, county, state elections are just as important. So focus on that and focus on how can I make a difference tomorrow when the elections are over.